Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Morgan Baker is the author of Emptying the Nest, Getting Better at Goodbyes. Morgan is an award-winning writer and professor at Emerson College. In addition to her debut memoir, her work is featured in the New York Times Magazine, the Boston Globe Magazine, the Brevity Blog, Talking Writing, the Boston Parents' Paper, the Martha's Vineyard Times, Next Tribe, The Bark, Modern Dog, Cognoscenti, and Hippocampus, among many regional and national publications. She is managing editor of The Bucket and runs Zoom CNF workshops. She is the mother of two adult daughters and lives with her husband and two dogs in Cambridge, where she also quilts and bakes Welcome, Morgan. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm so excited to discuss your memoir and your experience with your beautiful dogs and saying goodbye and all the rest of it. So thank you for coming on. 
Well, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. I showed my kids the pictures of all the little puppies lined up and that was like the hit of the day. Can you tell listeners about your book and also how taking care of dogs and taking care of kids and all of it is just so linked and how hard it is to say goodbye to anybody who brings us so much joy and connection, animal, person, all of it, and how you wrapped all that up in your memoir. Okay. <laughs> that was, that's a lot. Um, or just take it apart. To say whatever you want about, about your book. <laughs> okay. So the book is about shifting identity and mental health and also accepting change. And I think your comment about goodbye is about change. Mm-hmm. And when we're having, when we feel really rooted and happy with how things are going, it's hard when all of a sudden things begin to change. And so the book takes place mostly during the year that we did have a litter of puppies. And also my older daughter went off to college and it was more goodbye than I had anticipated or a deeper goodbye than I had anticipated. I always sort of knew, yeah, I don't do well with goodbyes, but I was really surprised by how sad I was saying goodbye to the puppies, even though I knew they were going off to really good places. And I was surprised at the depth of my sadness slash depression when my daughter went off to college. Both of those sort of like hit me in the face. And I think I don't regret doing having the puppies at all. They brought such joy to our family and they were so much fun to have around. And the same thing with my daughters. I can't imagine my life without them, even though it's painful to say goodbye to them. And I read someplace, and I agree with this, that the more you love, the more you grieve. And I would rather love deeply and grieve deeply than avoid the grief. And I think that's, I think it's true for whether it's an animal or a person, but I, I've seen so many, I see a lot more death around dogs Mm -hmm. and it's just amazing how deep that relationship can be with a dog. And how alone you can feel afterwards. But I, so we just keep adding dogs to our family. We're on dogs number four and five now. So I can't, I never really was a dog person, but I can't imagine my life without a dog now. So I don't know if that answers your question. Sure. No, I just, it's more a chance just to talk to you about it and there's no right answer. So (laughs) (laughs) You write a lot about your daughters and even their mental health challenges, OCD and all the rest. And, you know, you write a lot about both of them, Maggie and Ellie, right? How do they feel about that? Did you run all this by them? How do they feel now that it's out? You know, tell me about that piece of it. So I think it's a really good thing to think about. And I know some people don't. Abigail Thomas, who I've done some work with, doesn't write about her children at all. My kids were so in woven into the fabric of my depression that it would have been hard to not include them. And I write about, I've written about them in essays. They sort of know that they're, you know, my muse and fodder. But to that extent, I never publish anything unless they've read it. And they have said, so both of them read this and they're, and the parts that they're in and they said, yes, this is okay. You can say A, but you can't say B. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, a lot of it is just respect for them and being very careful 
not to say more than what they want me to say. And I also, in my acknowledgments and here, I I do want to shout out to them because I really do appreciate how they and my husband let me weave their stories into my story. And I think I'm incredibly grateful for that. So yeah, I think writing about children is tricky, really tricky, but they're old enough now that they really can say, yeah, no, you cannot do that. And I have to respect that. Yeah. Well, you also wrote really beautifully about your husband and even been meeting your husband and your whole relationship really so that by the time the reader gets to the passage where he has the anaphylactic episode, oh. I was, you know, I'm going to, I won't refer to myself as the reader anymore. I personally was like, oh my gosh, is he going to be okay? Like what happens? And that was terrifying and how you didn't want to put your daughter in the position of waiting for the ambulance because of her own anxiety and what position you were in in that moment. And I know sometimes when things really go terribly and you have to just operate in the in the chaos in the moment, and it, sometimes it's after where you let all the feelings sort of seep in, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. But tell me a little more about that and the fear from that moment and how you you know, recovered from him just like collapsing in the, in the hallway and, and the aftermath of the internal bleed. Oh my gosh. I was like, no, <laughs> you poor thing. Yeah, that was a bad night, bad couple of days. So I do really well in crises. I can manage it. I can, I just know like we need to do this, this, this. And I was like, Ellie can't be here because if she sees him, that will like throw her for a loop. So I'm going to send her out, which also annoyed her, but you have to, sometimes you have to make choices, which is the, you know, better of the two evils. And so I do really well. I also have been, I've, unfortunately, this idea of anaphylaxis has happened a number of times in our family. But that being said, exactly as you said, I fall apart the day after. I completely disintegrate and all the what ifs start falling into place. and. Yeah, I don't do well <laughs> after. I'm awesome. If you have a crisis, call me. I'll get you through it. But yeah, no, day after, I'm a puddle on the floor. Don't send you the hospital survey. You are not going to fill it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Well, I can very much relate to that. I feel like I'm good in a crisis too, because like you have to, you have to just do it. And like all the adrenaline and everything, you know, in your book, I found it really interesting, the differentiation between sadness. And even as you said here, I was sad when my kids went off versus I was depressed. And I think so many, I won't say just moms, but so many parents, but I hear a lot more from moms about you know what it's like when kids go away. And this is sort of your life's work in a way, no matter what you're doing, right? I, right. I think about it all the time. Like, wait, this period of time can end? Like for real? What? Right. <laughs> right. And so- is it like, how do you make sure you're taking care of yourself in the right way when that time comes around? And how do you distinguish, not to put you in a position of being like a counselor or anything, but how to know when it's gone too far, how to know how to take care of yourself and really what what we all can do to prepare ourselves for the kids leaving. And it's the same as, honestly, it's like looking at my dog every day and I'm like, I'm going to miss her so much one day. You know, it's like, what do you do when something is here and you know it won't be here forever and yet you love it so much and you know, all that. Yeah. 
I think it's really hard. I, I knew, and I think I wrote about this in the book too, but I sort of, the minute Maggie was born, I sort of realized, oh my God, she's going to, like, they start leaving the minute they come out of you <laughs> and, or they come home with you. But I, having gone through this now, I think it's really important. I didn't do this. So this is learning from my own, like, mess up, but I didn't really have a lot I did do a lot besides being a mom, but I didn't really think of any of those things being as significant as being a mom. And my whole identity was wrapped up with, I'm going to, you know, try to be the best mom I can be. And then when they left, I was like, oh my God, now, you know, I have nothing. But I realized that I did. Like, I still teach. I still write. I'm with my dogs. I'm with my husband. I have a really full life. And it's a good life and it's fun. But if you had told me, I don't think I would have believed it Mm -hmm. before they left. And I would like, I mean, if it's possible that other people don't, I think everybody is sad when their kids leave. I mean, it would be sort of weird if you weren't, but, (laughs) but the depression part, people don't need to fall into a depression. They, you know, obviously some people are biologically wired that way. But I think now, so I take care of myself now much better than I did when they were young. I exercise all the time. I sew my quilts. You know, if I can't do one, if I can't sew every day, I try to sew every other day. I read. I'm an excellent napper. (laughs) So I built in, you know, walking my dogs, you know, little things. And they don't have to be like some. And I also am a firm believer of using a timer. So I'll set my timer for like half an hour and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go sew for half an hour. When the timer dings, I'm going to go back to my work or I take 40 minute naps and I set my timer. I'm now I'm sort of wired to wake up at the 40 minute mark, but, and it gives me something to look forward to on a break from correcting papers or I don't know, whatever I have to do and exercise. I never appreciated. I sort of like, I used to play tennis a lot. So my exercise was sort of built into my life, but now I really make a space for it and it makes a huge difference. I know. I know that. I know that to be true. And yeah, <laughs> I can't. It's really hard. It's really hard. I, so my, I'm very lucky. I mean, I don't know, how, take it whichever way you want, but when the pandemic hit, the health club that I belong to and my cousin belonged to, and we all worked out together, shut. And then they sold it. And now there's a huge biochem, whatever building there. So we all went on Zoom and some of us have just stayed on Zoom. So <laughs> I'm like here, do, 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 do. And then I just like go, you know, two rooms over, change my clothes and I start working out. So it's, there's very I like little, that. yeah, I don't have to make an effort. Some people are like, I can't stand that idea. I need to be physically in the place. And I was like, yeah, no, I get that. But, you know. I like, I don't know what the word is. I like everything. It, it's easy, you yes. know? So I like easy. Me too. I've actually in the past done an exercise class right here. I just like move the chair and and put the video on the computer versus, you know, going to the gym. But I will say I did finally go to an, uh, an exercise class this summer. Well, I went to four before I like injured myself. And oh. uh, yeah, I know it's fine, but it's so different being around actual people. I have to say, like, I got so much more energy in a different way from being in a room of people all working out. And then I couldn't quit. 
you know, I felt guilted into right. doing the whole thing. So, so there's that. Yeah, no, there's no, I mean, you have to do what fits for you. Yeah. But I, I, I also do the alarm setting thing and I feel like I should be more conscious of the fact that I do that and do it more because it is so helpful. Like I'll be like, okay, it's 9.45 until 10 o'clock. I'm going to just do emails and I'm not going to look at anything else. Okay. From 10 to 10.30, you know, I used to like write it in it when I was yeah. studying, I'm going to study English from this time to this time, but it is a way of chunking up the time and getting things done. That's really helpful. Yeah. I don't know why it works. If I just sit down without the timer and say, I'm going to work for half an hour, I don't do it. Or sometimes I do, but the timer really like keeps me on. And I tell my students that and they're like, what? And then they do it and they're like, oh my God. Yeah. So I got, I have to do that more often and more consciously. I did it for my kids the other night. I'm like, we have 12 minutes to do all the dishes and clean all of this up. Go. And everyone was like having the best time. And I'm like, no one has ever had more fun cleaning up the kitchen than we are having right now. I don't know what's going on. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Mental note, more timers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So tell me what it was like reliving a lot of this stuff and um, making it into a book and figuring out what to include, what not to include, and and really having to kind of go there. What was that like? So the book took, it's been a long process and it changed a lot. The hardest part was writing about my depression. And I had written about it. And then I gave 10 pages to an editor who I respect a lot. And she sent it back with some notes. But her biggest note was, you need to go deeper. And Mm -hmm. you need to really talk about it and like what happened and how you felt and what you thought about doing. And and part of me was like, I do not like you at all. But she was totally right. And it was hard. And to be fair, it's hard for my husband to read it. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like, I lived it. I don't need to read it. And Mm -hmm. so I'm aware of that. But I also, yeah, it was hard. And picking out what to include and what not to include was trial and error, I guess. You know, it was, I did, there were a lot. So for instance, there were a lot more scenes of me saying goodbye to the puppies. And 
all of a sudden, you know, through one revision, I was like, okay, people don't need to see me give away seven dogs. You know, if I give two, the other five (laughs) are going to be sort of similar. So, you know, it was, and it's, you know, I think any writer will tell you that cutting is one of the hardest things. You get rarely attached. And I was like, oh, but each of these puppies meant so much to me. And it's like, yeah, but the reader is not going to care. So you have to sort of switch your hat and from writer to like, how is someone else going to read this? Yep. But yeah, it's challenging for sure. I feel like going through a couple, you know, losses with you was really hard. I don't know that I could have gone through more than you put in there because I feel like my eyes were welling up with each one. It was so vivid. The way you write about all the details of every scene, even like when the one, who was it, Spray, started going into labor early and worrying that the puppy was... I mean, these scenes are so vivid that it just felt like I was going through your losses with you. I don't know how much more I could have taken. Well, thank you. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry that you went through them all. No, no, it's okay. I appreciate your comments. I, yeah, at one point in the writing, I was like, okay, this was like a title for like all of five seconds love and loss. And I was like, okay, that is so vague. And everybody, you know, tells you nothing. But I think my takeaway from loss is that it doesn't negate the loss, but something comes out of it. Mm -hmm. And a deeper appreciation for what you do have, compassion for other people who go through losses. And loss, unfortunately, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. Loss is just like a huge part of our lives. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I tried really hard to just like wipe it off and just keep myself super busy. Mm -hmm. And, And I'm very good at being busy, but you have to process it somehow. And that's what writing the book really was for me. It was how I made sense of all of this because... Some of it, like the anaphylaxis stuff that I live with, with my kids and my husband, is really challenging. But I can't think about it every day because, or every minute, because I would never go outside. So it's it's learning how to weather and bear the pain, I guess, of the loss. And I think, you know, some are harder than others. But yeah, we all, everyone has something and everyone... You know, there's loss in everybody's life. It just is a different, you know, I lost my, the family that I grew up with, but I was thinking about this the other day. It was like, okay, so if my parents had never gotten divorced and I was like, but then I wouldn't have my stepfather or I wouldn't have, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. so you sort of have to be like, okay, so I, you know, sometimes life is hard, but sometimes it's really wonderful too. And you get something really great out of it. That's very wise and all very true. Right. No, it's, you know, all that looking back, you never know. What if this, what if that? Well, it's just not what happened. So, you know, let's figure out how to make sense of it and easier said than done. (laughs) Right. Very easier said than done. But when you do it or when you reflect on it, it really does help because I really do love my stepfather. And I, you know, and if I, I actually was in, I grew up partly in New York. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, if they hadn't gotten divorced, I would have grown up my whole life in New York. And would I have gone to the same school? Would I have met my husband? You know, 
So I'm I'm happy with the way things turned out. So what advice do you have for aspiring authors? <laughs> so I thought about this and I guess my biggest piece of advice is don't give up. You know, I I did put this book away for like 3 years and thought to myself, I'm done. I'm this is just never going to turn into something that I'm proud of. And then for a variety of reasons, I took it out again. And I was like, oh my God, I know how to fix it. And so I would say, and I say this a lot to my students, even with an essay, like if you cut a paragraph from an essay, don't throw it away, put it in a document and save it for another day. And so I would say, you know, whether it's an essay, short story, or a book of any kind to not give up. I also think having some sort of feedback helps. And there's so many ways that you can get feedback. If you have a friend who also is, so I have one friend here who's a really good writer and she's an incredible editor and she read the book one time, but so I, I took a lot of her advice, but then I met all these people through the pandemic. And now I have this, I don't, I've, I haven't met half of them in real time, but I have all these great writer friends now. And finding a writing group or a class, I think it's hard because you're doing it all alone all the time and you need to check in with other people. So I think, oh, and the other piece of advice that I was thinking is try not to be defensive because you're only shooting yourself. You need to listen. And then, you know, afterward, my husband gives, so he's really my first reader and I trust him a lot. And when I, when we started, when he started reading my stuff, I would get really pissy (laughs) and I was like, how dare you? And that's not what I meant. And then I was like, oh, well, it's not what I meant. Then why did I say it? And Mm -hmm. So now, I mean, we've been married forever. So now he tells me whatever. And, and I just know, like, just listen, don't react. And then I go into my this little office and I either like say to myself, I don't agree. Or I look at it and I'm like, oh, he has a point. So, yeah, it's hard, but it's so rewarding when you do it. I mean, you've written a book and you have another one coming out. I mean, it's it's an incredibly rewarding feeling. Even if you don't get published, it's still a rewarding feeling because you learn something about yourself. That's true. There's some uh, physical evidence that you have been here and thought about something and you can like plop it on the table, like there, thoughts, go ahead. (laughs) Right, yeah. That's one of the reasons why actually I really like quilting. And I used to do pottery, but I wasn't very good. And it's very hard to do pottery and quilting at the same time and have a life. But those things are really finite. You know, I can make, I make a quilt and I can hold it in my hands and say, see, look at what I made. And writing is very different than that. So I like having both because I'm like, this is concrete. And this just keeps going and going and going and going and going. I I should have mentioned all the parts of the book that involved the quilts because they came they at all these important points, obviously, when you do them for your daughters being born or you, you know, and when at the end when you were saying, were there, are there, like, who am I going to make quilts for now? And your husband said something like, oh my gosh, you're going to have so many more occasions to make quilts. <laughs> no, but I, I, I loved that because it's like what we think, there's so much more to come and it's so mm. inspiring. And sometimes you just need to hear that. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And I am, I have a, I'm making a queen quilt right now for a niece. And then I have two baby quilts lined up. I have friends of mine are becoming grandparents, one in October and one in November. So I have, and I love, I mean, I love all my quilts, but I love baby quilts. I, they're, they're really fun to make. They're also tiny. I mean, you should just go on Etsy and just start selling. <laughs> well, then you'll never run out of quilts. I know. It's fun though. To What is really fun for me is thinking about who I'm going to give it to, mm-hmm. what their color palette is. Like I talked to the parents last, it was just a coincidence that we were talking and I turned to my friend Bob and I said, "What? so what color should I make the baby quilt? Blue, green, aqua? And he was like, Deb? And he said, green. And I was like, great. And it's really fun because it's not necessarily the palette I would work with for me, mm-hmm. but it's really fun to think about the pattern and the colors and like, let's see, what would Zibby like? And I can see in the back that you like multiple colors. Your bookshelf is all lined with... So I would figure out something like that. It's fun. Yeah. Actually, this is throwing you off. I really love blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's my palette. Yeah. So, I love all, okay. all blues, whites and blues, all, you know, all that. So yeah, this is just background. I should just redo it and make it all blue. Maybe I will. <laughs> I've had enough, sure, of the, had enough of the rainbows. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Morgan. This was so fun. And, you know, your book is just like one of these great examples of you go into someone else's life for a little bit and you learn so much and you take a little bit away and then it informs your own life and how you do things. And it's so important. I think that's why we read and why we write. And anyway, so thanks. Well, thank you. This has been a lot of fun and I really appreciate being here. And I will think about blue for you. <laughs> You don't have to make me a quilt. But if you did, those would be the colors. Okay, got it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thanks, Morgan. Take care. Thanks, you. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com